in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Well, hello and welcome to Freaky Friday This Friday, March 24th 2023. Christy, how are you doing this Friday? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? You know what? It's Friday. We made it. We're also, we didn't say, but this month, March, marks the one year anniversary of Freaky Friday. That's true. 50. Well, I guess 52. 52 weeks in a year. So Mm -hmm. there's been some weeks we've taken off. But if you're going numbers, 52, I guess, would be the year. That's true. This is it. Well, thank you all for so readily embracing this concept Mm -hmm. that we thought about when we were about to go watch that Tool concert, uh, (laughs) having chips and salsa with Tommy and his dad in Paris, the brown, the brown men. The brown, the brown men. What a uh, fun adventure this has been that I think people have really taken to. And it's, uh, I love reading the stories. I legitimately love reading all of the submissions and some I'm the only one, and you too, if yeah. you if you want, probably will ever see them because some some are a little too heavy, mm-hmm. but I still enjoy reading them. So send them in because at the very least you're getting a. I'm reading it and enjoying it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And you do. I appreciate how you take your time. It's like with everything in your life, you are a connoisseur of things. <laughs> even the things that you like, and you know your Burt's Bees or your Diet Coke, you've gone through other things before to find that one true thing that you like. And I appreciate that about you. Well, thank Vetting. you. My, uh, what'd you say? You're a vetter. You vet. Things. Oh, I'm a vet. Yeah. Yeah. You're a vetter. I'm a vet. I should get some kind of purple heart or something. I'm sure all the other vets would appreciate if I was like, just showed up at the the VWA. I was like, you guys vets? They're yeah, like, ma'am. <laughs> and then you're like, well, you know what? I will operate on this horse. And they're like, not that vet either. No, ma'am. You're neither kind of vet. You're none of these. You're vets. none of these types. And Please you're like, leave. is this key? Is this to my Corvette? They're like, not that vet either. You're no, you're this kind of like, vet. Well, I'm going to go vet. home and, you know, uh, just read some Amazon reviews because I'm trying to find the best vacuum. You're not also, that's not the type of vet that we, if you want to sit down and play some cards then grab a drink and sit down. But otherwise, <laughs> shut up about all your products. <laughs> well, you have vetted some stories for us today. But before we get to that. We have to let everybody know we're headed to, we're leaving town soon. Soon. We're going to Denver. Going to Denver on 420 Eve is yes. our show in Denver. <laughs> April 19th. Everyone's like, oh, we're like, listen, we can't call the folks who have a hand in doing our tour and be like, hey, can you switch it out? So we're in Denver. <laughs> we have a very serious request. Uh, yeah. May I say, though, that oftentimes with holidays, the eve is the more exciting part because there's all the buildup to it. Christmas Eve, all that excitement, you know, mm-hmm. Christmas Day, also exciting. But then you're like, man, tomorrow it's all over. Yeah. But the eve, you're like, ooh, excitement. And I still got the main event tomorrow. That's like, yeah, it's like the night before your wedding. It's like the mm-hmm. rehearsal dinner, the bustling, the preparation. So we'll have, and then if you really want to celebrate, 420 will be in Salt Lake City the next day. <laughs> hey, don't sleep on Salt I'm not Lake City on Salt in 420. Lake. They know what they're doing. There's nothing better than celebrating 420 with a nice casserole dish full of funeral potatoes. <laughs> 
I would love to get a, well, I don't know if the club will let people bring homemade food in, but <laughs> I'm not going to turn it away if somebody brings us a dish of funeral potatoes. We're going to put it on our rider. Please don't throw them out. If someone hands you funeral potatoes or green stuff with shredded carrots, don't throw Just it out. Just bring it to us in the green room. We're going to eat it later. That is on our rider. But yeah, so we'll be in Denver the 19th of April, in Salt Lake City the 20th, and then just a week later, we're going to Austin, Texas. Austin. Austin, Texas. And then May 3rd, we're going to Houston, Texas, see a Batman, maybe have some blueberry cakes with them. We'll see. Mm. We've got some dates coming up, and we also have some new dates, so you're going to have to join (gasps) our Patreon. We we are allowed to say the new dates. Let me. You all have been waiting, and we've been saving it for you for this Friday specifically. All right, you've asked for it. Here it is: our new Sinisterhood live show dates on July nineteenth. We will be in Boston. Yay, Boston! Prepare the Bostonia because we're going to go there five times. Oh yeah, I'm eating there only eating at the Bostonia the whole time I'm there. And then on July 20th, we will be in Brooklyn at the Bell House. My first time ever in Brooklyn. I'm planning on hanging with Jay-Z and Beyonce, but definitely also I'll make some time for this show. Thank you so much. Last time I was in Brooklyn, I saw Lonely Island, and then uh, my friends went and got pizza, and then me and Caroline went and got Taco Bell afterwards. Hell yeah. <laughs> it was right there. I'm not going to walk. And then on July 22nd, we will be... You've asked for it. We're coming to Washington, D.C. at the Miracle Theater. I know folks from Baltimore, Virginia, West Virginia, D.C. This will be the closest we're coming. So all of our, I was going to say Swamp Fam only because I've been to D.C. and it can be humid. (laughs) So we're going to do a party in the swamp. Don't drain it. We're going to splash around in it. The only time I've been to D.C., it was the dead of winter. So I have not experienced the heat. So... Looking forward to that. It'll be awesome. And then in August, on August the 15th, we'll be at Detroit at the Comedy Castle. Love Detroit last time we were through there. Love a castle. At the castle. Now we've been to a cheese castle. Now we're going to the Comedy Castle. August 16th, we're going to be in Columbus, Ohio. We're coming back to the Funny Bone. Columbus, we love you. We had a really good time last time, so let's do it up. We won't have any other Ohio dates, so if you're in Ohio or that area, come to Columbus. Mm -hmm. And then finally, on August 17th, we'll be in Pittsburgh at the City Winery. So... Pennsylvania fam, that's going to be our our Pennsylvania date. So come on over to Pittsburgh. Never been there. Let's get I haven't either. Steeler fun. There's several cities on this one that I have not been to. So I love going to a new city for the first time. I'm very excited. Definitely email us your recommendations for especially D.C., Detroit, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Brooklyn and Boston, we have some cool places to go. But if you've got new suggestions, send them in. We, we have we some wanna... friends in D.C. I'm excited to see. Oh, yeah. Shout out. So that'll be fun. Very funny friend, Tyler Simpson, and his very funny wife, who I was friends with long before him, Amanda Hahn. They are so very, very funny. Hopefully, uh, we will get to see them at the show, too. Tickets will go on sale soon. But it will be on Patreon first. So if you want to get first dibs on when they're going on sale, join the Patreon. You'll get the announcement through that. And then keep an eye on social media. And all the info will be at Sinisterhood.com slash live shows. Yep. I'm so excited to go to all these places. But I'm much more excited about these stories you have for us today. In particular, the thing in this first story, the name of this thing. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Jess. And it is called... My dad's encounter with the Armaducci. 
My dad is a 72-year-old retired coal miner from Ohio. In his 72 years, he has accumulated some crazy stories, from his UFO sighting when he was a 12-year-old Boy Scout, to waking up during the night in his late teens, to find a dark figure standing over his friend that had spent the night with him, only to find out that same friend died in a car wreck three days later, to finding a mastodon tusk in the rock quarry he worked in during his early 20s. While driving home from work one night, he saw headlights shining up the road from a vehicle that had wrecked. Behind the wheel was a naked young woman, bound and gagged and murdered as a cover-up. He also missed his high school basketball game on December 15, 1967, against Point Pleasant High School because their team didn't have enough players, preventing them from traveling across the Silver Bridge the night it collapsed. The story I am sharing today is the story of the Armaducci. My dad spent 36 years working underground in a deep coal mine. In those 36 years, he was trapped once when a flash flood caused severe flooding inside the mine. After 20 hours trapped, he and six of his friends were able to make it out. Unfortunately, he has seen several of his mining brothers lose their lives and was electrocuted once himself. After the 36 years, the mine was shut down. My dad wasn't old enough to retire, so unfortunately, had to travel out of state for work. But luckily, 12 years later, he was able to come back to the mine to do the reclamation work of their mine site. All of this work was done above ground. It included operating heavy equipment and treating the ponds in the area. During this time is when he first saw the armaducci. To hear my dad describe this creature, it had the body of an armadillo, long legs like a coyote, the head of a small horse, and appeared hairless. I kid you not. We all joked that my dad was seeing things or drunk, but he assured us that several others at the mine had seen it too. This unfortunately was in the early 2000s, so only flip phones with no decent cameras to capture the elusive beast. It would always keep its distance from them, at least 100 yards away, but they saw it several times in the years he worked there. They did have one mine boss that saw it too, and was a bit rattled not being able to identify it. This area is somewhat close to the Ohio River and all of the power plants, as well as the Point Pleasant area and the Mothman sightings. So, there's no telling what this creature could actually be. Well, I don't like a giant thing with the body of an armadillo because that means it is armored. Yeah, it's that's too big to have a yeah. shell. That's dinosaur status. We googled armaducci and we can't find anything. So... Jess, if this is an Ohio legend or any Ohio, what do they like to call themselves? Ohioans. Ohioans that know of this, let us know because we can't find a lot of information on this elusive beast. We are very interested, though. If anybody else yeah, has an Armaducci incident or has a grandparent that worked in or around the mines or remembers those days, definitely ask them if they've heard of this body of an armadillo Long legs like coyote, head of a horse, and hairless. So it's down in there like, leave me. So you think the, what's, how big are you imagining this? I'm imagining it like the size of a medium-sized dog. Well, I was going to say a large capybara, but yeah, similar. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, that's even worse. It's too much. It's mm -mm. too big. It's no. like something that lives in the labyrinth or something like that. Or like Nutria, I saw somebody I in the swamp, those. kept it as a pet. 
Who did? Somebody on, it was one of those articles that pop up of like, you won't believe what this family kept this 20 pound nutrient. God damn. I found out about those over a decade ago and I'm still, I, it makes my skin crawl to think those are on the same planet as I am. Yeah, you can't unknow that. Once you know that ROUS is, are a real thing, it's a ro- <laughs> you can't unknow it. You can't. You're like, that's what this is. It's like a Princess Bride. That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah. Yeah. Just I'm, a big ass mm-hmm. nasty thing in the shadows, the depths. Don't like it. Don't like but it naked. one bit. I think we'd also be remiss to not comment on everything what else. A, what a life. <laughs> yeah. Your dad has lived it. Well, you got to get him that story worth or yes. get just a recorder and just sit it next to him and just tell, ask him to tell yes. you stories about this. So you have it forever because these are awesome stories. And in fact, then transcribe them, send them our way because I want to hear about UFO sightings. I mean, everything. He sounds like he is. Uh, he's gone through it. The Mastodon Tusk. Yes. This is fascinating. What a fascinating life. Yeah. Document all that for sure. Those are the stories we need to be handing down through generations. Exactly. You know what? We we don't want to let the oral tradition die. And next generation needs to know about the Armaducci. Yeah, we can't let the Armaducci just slink off into the shadows because we're not mining those those Mm-mm. mines anymore. Yeah, let the Armaducci story be told. <laughs> well, thank you so much for telling it to us. Sinisterhood will be right back. This next one's from Shelly, and it's called, Where the Hell Did We Stumble Into? Hello, ladies. I discovered your podcast a few months back. Sinisterhood quickly became my favorite podcast, and I became a Patreon member. I've been keeping up with new episodes and obsessively listening to back episodes. I'm almost through the 2020 episodes and find myself randomly singing the theme song. I appreciate your handling of topics with knowledge, grace, and respectful humor. I've been wanting to send in this story, and the recent episode regarding trumpets in the sky set me into action. This event happened to my two youngest daughters and I two summers ago. My older sister lives in Three Rivers, California, which is at the base of Sequoia National Park. She lives in a two-level cabin in a woodsy area with a guest house by the pool at back. We planned a visit to Lays by the pool and just spend some time together. My sister is always a gracious host and always, always has plenty of wine. On the second morning we were there, my daughters and I planned to go on a hike to get some exercise in before our busy day of laying by the pool. We wanted to head out first thing in the morning to beat the heat. We got kind of a late start, and it was already starting to heat up, but we figured the trees and the hiking trails would provide enough shade. My daughter had selecting a hiking trail from the All Trails app. We got in the car and attempted to have Google Maps lead the way. Suffice it to say, we drove around in complete circles, through back roads and by other cabins. We finally found what we thought was the trail we were looking for. The first thing I noticed was that there were no other cars in the parking lot, but I just thought we were the only ones crazy enough to hike in the rising heat. We parked, got our backpacks in water, and started to the trailhead. As we entered the trail, we noticed there was barbed wire along the ground and running along the sides of the trail. The barbed wire on the ground seemed to be laid randomly with no discernible pattern. Very odd since anybody could step right over it. As the trail progressed, there were planks laid flat on the dirt, covering the trail, and when we walked on the planks, they bounced, as if they were not on solid ground, and as if something was underneath the dirt the planks were covering. I was beginning to feel a little uneasy. Something just didn't feel right. 
As we got a little farther along, we came upon a dip in the trail. A rope swing was hung from a tree above the dip. But the oddest thing was that underneath the swing was a quilt. The quilt was neatly folded and completely clean, no dirt on it anywhere, as if it had just been placed there, but there was nobody around, at least that we could see. My uneasiness was now in overdrive. Why we just didn't turn around then, I don't know. The trail then led through tall, full trees. As soon as we entered the tree-lined path, a buzzing started overhead and was getting louder the further in we walked. It sounded like power lines buzzing, but there were no power lines. It was beyond spooky. I felt as if somebody, or something, was signaling that we were there. I was thinking that we should not get separated, but sure enough, soon my older daughter, 24, fell far enough behind that I couldn't see her, and my younger daughter, 19, was far enough ahead that I couldn't see her either. All I could think of was that I could not get to them if something happened, and I could not shake the feeling that something or somebody was very aware we were on the path. I continued on, calling for my daughter that was up ahead to wait for me, with the overhead buzzing getting louder, when I saw a stick figure charm in the trees. Think Blair Witch Project. I shit you not, I about lost it at this point. Buzzing be damned, I started screaming for my daughter that was up ahead to turn around, get back to me as quick as possible, because we were leaving. She came running back and we headed back the way we had come. I found my older daughter almost at the beginning of the trail where the trees started. She'd had a severe asthma attack and was freaked out and wanting to leave herself. As we got the hell out of there, we saw a skull from a small animal on the trail. We were all sure it had not been there when we first walked in. I thought it might be a possum skull. The snout was elongated and it had sharp teeth. But whatever it was, it was clean like the quilt and not bleached by the sun. We could not leave fast enough. When we finally got back to my sister's place, we were all shook and so very scared and creeped out. As we were telling her about the barbed wire, the planks, the quilt, the buzzing, the stick figure, the skull, I thought how unreal it all sounded and wondered if she would even believe us. But she told us that there were known satanic cults and very weird and unexplainable things that have been known to happen in those woods. You'd think she would have told us before we headed out for a hike. I don't know what we stumbled into, but I can tell you I will never forget the oppressive and downright scary feeling. Everything in my soul tells me we were in real danger that day of something bad happening. I am so thankful to whatever force led us out of there unharmed. There will be no more hiking in the woods for me, ever. Keep it creepy, but stay out of the woods surrounding the sequoias. Well, that sounds like uh, just individually one of those things you'd go hmm but once it's all stacked up you're like run (laughs) it's too much it's too many things too many weird things i will say i told you the other night i've recently gone down a tiktok rabbit hole about fey portals that's right you talked about that (laughs) you just said you'd gone the rabbit hole i don't know what that is or what that means okay well I'm not an expert, so please, I'm sure that there are a lot of people listening that know a lot more about this than me. So I ask for your grace in my <laughs> my limited explanation of what I know from TikTok. But I guess the belief is from some that um, different, Faye kind of is an umbrella term for 
different types of uh, woodland creatures, supernatural creatures, etc. Fairies, gnomes, shit like that. Awesome. I guess sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, Mm-mm. and the bad ones will set traps to catch humans, and if they catch you, then different things can happen. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and these traps, from what I understand, can appear in the form of very like random things that are out of place that catch your attention, and then if you pick it up... You're trapped. So if you say, oh, what a nice quilt in the middle of this walkway. How interesting that it's not dirty and it's so well made. And then you pick it up. They got you? That, from my understanding, yes. There's like a whole trend on TikTok because there's this sound of like, that's a fae trap if I've ever seen one. And then somebody's like, I'm going to touch it. And she's like, no, going to get taken. (laughs) So now everyone's blown it up into like, some are very silly. But some are other things where it's like, just this forest and there's one tree that's just like swinging back and forth that to some would be a fake trap or a big one is like if you stumble upon like mushrooms that are all in a circle like a ring that you're not supposed to cross over them into the ring because then you're trapped and the fae can either like take you to their world and then i guess you can't ever get back or and this one's a real bitch they make you Dance for eternity in the ring until you lose your mind and you just die. (laughs) Do you get to choose the music? I don't think so. Okay, that might get me. But if you told me I could choose my own music and I could switch it up, I could dance for a pretty long time. I could last for a while. (laughs) It won't be good dancing. Nobody wants to watch it. No one's throwing dollar bills at it. No, I don't think they're there for good dancing. I think they're there for to uh, torture you in a sense. Punishment dancing. When they take you down to their world, is it like, Fraggle Rock? Good question. Don't know. Man, there's so many details. Now I'm going to have to go down the rabbit. Maybe it's like the Smurfs. I don't There's so many little woodland things and different types. Uh, If I got to choose, I would want to be able to leave, though. It's like going to space. I would like the option to be able to come back. Well, I think the the lore is that you don't. You're done. Or maybe there's something you got to do in order to come back. But I, I don't know. My knowledge is limited, like I said. However... Because I've recently been watching a bunch of videos, this all struck me as, oh, these are a bunch of little fae traps. Or it's some sneaky little kids watching you from the woods that are like, we're going to fuck with these people. (laughs) Maybe it's some kind of scary satanic group. I don't know. I'm a big fan of, and my mom would tell it to us when we were kids, of don't touch that. You don't know whose that is. Mm -hmm. And if we're out in the woods and if something, now granted, you know, it's a kid, a dog, something needs rescued. But if it's just a quilt, it's not hurting anybody, they're probably going to come back for it. And I don't want to lift it up and get sucked into somebody's fey hole. So, No, and I I don't like touching stuff that isn't mine anyway, especially if it's uh, not of the natural environment. Yeah, it's not like it's a stick or moss or a rock or something. It's like, oh, that's a shoe with not an owner in the middle of this. Nope. Yeah, I'm, good. I'm just going to leave that there. Mm-hmm. We're going to do exactly like uh, Shelly and her daughters did and go, ah, we're going to go. We're going to turn we're around. We're good. Yeah. We're all go set. lay by the pool. Yeah. You know where you don't get sucked into a fey hole? Laying by the pool. Mm-hmm. So if I can nope. recommend. <laughs> well, interesting for sure. And... We're very glad that you listened to your gut and and got out of there. 
if anybody listening has been to the Sequoias and has seen weird things like this or had a fey hole experience, or if you've had a fey hole, it's called a trap fey trap. Yeah, you've, hole. you've, um, my bad. You've changed, you've appropriated it to fey hole, which I'm here for. I think they call it fey trap, but we're now going to, like a K hole, we have a fey hole. <laughs> well, if you've experienced, if you or someone you know has experienced a K hole, you may be entitled to compensation. <laughs> write us in at uh, sinisterhead.com. Don't write us Fridays. in if you've, ex- well, uh, I mean, if it was an okay K-hole and you came out all right, that's one thing. The Fay hole we want to hear about it regardless. Yeah, good, bad, or indifferent. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sending that one in, Shelly. Sinisterhood will be right back. This next one is from Megan, and it is called High School, Livestock, and Meth. Hi ladies, I absolutely love the show and can't thank y'all enough for helping me get through the work week. I heard a story a while back about another listener's brush with true crime while in high school, and it reminded me of a time where I came very close to having one myself. I grew up in the mountains of western North Carolina, and where I went to high school was a little ways outside of one of the larger towns. You could basically split my school population in half, half city folks and half country folks. My school served as a boundary of sorts, delineating where the rural backwoods area began and the more urban areas ended. Unfortunately, these rural areas tended to be very low income, and substance abuse was, and still is, a major issue. My school had an active agriculture department with an FFA program that allowed us to keep livestock on school grounds. We had a small herd of beef cattle, who always seemed to get out, this is relevant, a handful of goats, chickens, and a relatively large greenhouse. This small farm backed up to one of the more rural and lower income areas and was sectioned off by a chain link fence. I took every ag class my school offered throughout my four years and I spent countless hours up at the farm, whether it was with my class or on a special assignment from my teacher. Okay, here's where it gets freaky. One day during my junior year, while my class was on the way up to the barn, the school went on perimeter lockdown. This wasn't necessarily uncommon. We would have black bears wander onto the property frequently, prompting lockdowns. Only this one was different. We were told that no one was allowed outside and all the teachers were to be on high alert. We knew that the police had been called, but we hadn't been told what had triggered it. My teacher promptly got us the fuck out of there and we spent the rest of the class period working in the ag shop. So here's what happened. The house that was directly on the other side of the fence at the barn had been the site of a police standoff. Apparently, this house was part of a well-known meth operation in the area. Something had prompted a neighbor to call the cops, which resulted in a full-blown SWAT team standoff with a naked woman who was high and clearly unhinged, as well as her compatriots who were holed up in the house. Let me reiterate, this was less than 100 feet from a school. The standoff ended without anyone discharging a weapon, but it left everyone at my school shaken. But wait, it gets worse. This was not an isolated incident. In fact, I learned well after I graduated that this was just one of many instances of crime stemming from this house. As it turns out, there was a full-blown meth smuggling operation that would cut through the upper part of our cow pasture. This is why the cows were always out. One man seemed to run the operation and things regularly got out of hand as he was a former horse trainer with a history of violent tendencies, mental illness, and substance abuse. He even went as far as murdering his own sister who had threatened to turn him in. Sadly, 
her body was discovered by a student at my school. I know of at least two other times while I was at school that similar incidents happened, but thankfully, none of them required SWAT intervention. So where do I fit into this story? Well, for my sophomore, junior, and senior years of high school, I served as the president of our FFA club, and my teacher would often assign someone to care for the animals and water the greenhouse over school breaks, excluding summer breaks, or if he was out, sick, etc. Being the president of the club, the responsibility often fell on me. There were several instances where I found myself completely alone at the barn caring for the animals, and there were more than a few occasions where I would see the occupants of that house out and about. It's a miracle that myself or any other students were not up there at the time of the standoff, or any other incidents that could have potentially put us in the line of fire, with the exception of the student discovering the body. By the time I graduated, I believed that the issue had been resolved, but it is absolutely wild to think that I could have potentially wound up as collateral if things had escalated while I was up there by myself. I'm sure listeners may be thinking, why the hell would your teacher send students up to the barn by themselves? Let me just say that my teacher was a big proponent of teaching responsibility to students, which is what prompted him to assign chores in the first place. After this incident, he never sent anyone up there alone again, and he took over the chores during school breaks. My teacher and his wife became very close family friends after I graduated, and I considered the two of them to be family. It wasn't until recently that he told me the true extent of what had been going on behind the school, and I know it still bothers him to this day. I had almost completely forgotten about these experiences until I heard a story from another listener who had a similar-ish experience when they were in high school. I don't think the seriousness of the situation really clicked with me until my teacher gave me the whole story. And even now, as I share it with y'all, I'm getting chills and a sick feeling in my stomach. I tried to find a news article pertaining to the story, but to no avail. Thank you so much for giving me a platform to share my story. I have one more thing unrelated to my story above. On a previous main feed episode, I heard y'all briefly mention the Brown Mountain Lights. The area where I currently live and where I went to college in North Carolina is pretty close to the town where the lights are seen. I have heard all manner of stories about the lights, including a first-hand account. My college even conducted research on the lights. It would be super cool to hear y'all cover them one day on the show, and it would be even cooler if you could put Asheville, North Carolina on one of your next tours. I promise this funky mountain town will not disappoint. Thank you for taking the time to read my story. I love what y'all do. Keep it creepy. Wow. Well, that is definitely a shame when you hear that the students had kind of a good thing going of like, you could be responsible. You could take this bar. You could go by yourself. And then all this shit happens. You're like, well, it's not safe to send the students up there. It seems as if. The school would have had to have known something was going on if there's multiple times the police have have been involved. I don't, I don't know. The cops, at the very least, know there's a school close by. Yeah. So somebody's dropping the ball on getting these people away from a hundred yards from a school. Yeah, and I think that, and some that that becomes an issue if you have no probable cause as a police officer to go in. But then you often see cities exercising other ways, other jurisdiction they have over you, like going out and giving a bunch of citations for 
you know, problems with the grass is overgrown or this this is a red tag event. You know, you have to get them out of there just to try to get this criminal drug operation away from so close to students of mm-hmm. saying we don't have probable cause to go in on the drug stuff. But what we'll do is all these broken windows, we're going to figure out a way to kind of force them somewhere else to get them away from the students because was, that is so close. There was clearly something going on for neighbors to call. Yeah. So it seemed like everybody was, except the students, was aware <laughs> something was going on. Maybe some of the, obviously some of the teachers didn't know maybe the full extent either. But there's um there's reasons that, you know, there's zones. Certain things can't, I mean, but again, like you said, it's not like this, it was a business. It was like, we sell meth. It's a home. Yeah. Homes can be near schools. Now you can't have like registered sex offenders living within so close to a school. Does that apply also if you've been convicted on drug charges? Not generally. It's usually going to be related to prior conduct with children, but... That's a good point that if you do have this house that's not really being used as a residence, but is used as an in and out people for this meth operation, you don't know who is there. And it could be a sex offender or someone that mm-hmm. should be registered. That's not, you know, but if you're willing to like Walter White it right behind the FFA barn, you're probably not like, well, I'm going to make sure I'm my paperwork's up today. Right. You know, they're they're really not worried about that. But that is terrifying to think that y'all could have been up there, but I'm glad you weren't. That is so sad for the student. That is so scarring for oh, a student. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's, you don't get over that. On a lighter note, I can't imagine you're in class and it's like, all right, everybody, we're going on lockdown. There's a bear on the playground. And that's just like, <laughs> all right, okay, there's a bear. But I guess if you live out there, that's just common. You're like, the bears were here first, I guess. So that's true. Is- yeah, we're in their territory. We built the house on the bear territory. So Now, you know what's worse than a cocaine bear? meth bear that's yeah. the sequel <laughs> it's meth bear it's a rough one because it's hard for it to operate all the apparatus you need for meth with those big paws oh you think he's doing the cooking i thought he i was, just thought he was buying that makes more sense or taking it he's not buying he, he probably he takes what he wants if the meth bear is standing up in the rv like walter white with the whitey tighties because the bear's wearing the whitey tighties we know it he might be bonking things over and knocking stuff mm-hmm. over because there's not a lot of room in the Winnebago for a bear. Instead of a bull in a china shop, <laughs> you're it's you're like a bear in a Winne, in a meth Winnebago. Come on, <laughs> get it together. <laughs> yeah, you keep knocking everything over. Oh man, well let's hope that the uh, the meth lab is gone and the bears all they're eating is you know grass and berries and what they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yes, and thank you, Megan, for sharing that. What a Wild story. I was very uh, hooked from the beginning to see how this was going to go. Exactly. I would love to cover the Brown Mountain Lights to to respond to that. And I just want to go to Asheville, whether we do a show oh, yeah. or not. I'm dying to go to Asheville. I've had friends that have lived there. We have I, several s- some friends that currently live there. Uh, and everyone has said it's a very cool, artsy town. I would love to go. We'll do it. Well, thank you, Megan. Sinisterhood will be right back. This next one is from Morgan, and the subject line is, That time my husband found a little girl in the fog. Hey, y'all. Y'all have become two of my best friends, and my husband frequently asks me to pause the girls when he interrupts our weekly get-togethers to ask me something. I have to listen with headphones or when I'm alone because he can't hang. On to the story. I'll change the names for privacy. Please excuse any confusing grammar because while I may be a teacher... I teach computer lab, not one lick of grammar being learned or taught in my room. Oops. Let's hop back to 2018. 
My husband, Jay, was hanging out with his friend, Matt, the night before Matt's wedding, and they were having a grand old time partying it up. I think they were playing board games or maybe playing music together. I don't know. Anyway, it hit like 3 a.m. and I am woken up by a call from Jay. I'm like, what is the fuck is wrong with you calling me at 3 a.m. because it's ass crack early or late, depending on your persuasion. I assumed he locked himself out of our apartment because his ADHD makes that a frequent occurrence. I answered the phone and groggily let him know that I'm coming down to let him in. And then he says, hey, I just saw a little kid's hand reach out of the fog as I was leaving Matt's neighborhood. I'm going to turn around and see what it is. I snap straight up in my bed, fucking wide awake, and say, what do you mean you're turning around? Because fuck that noise. Have you ever heard of the Black Eyed Children or watched the beginning of any scary movie ever? But of course he hasn't because, like I said, he can't hang. He said, of course I'm turning around. What if they get hurt? My brain is screaming, they can't get hurt. They're not alive. You're going to get got. Then this bitch hangs up the phone and I don't hear anything else from him. So apparently when he hung up the phone, he didn't get got, but called 911 to let them know he saw a little kid and was going to pick them up and wanted the dispatcher to stay on the phone with them until the cop showed up to protect himself and the little kid. He drove back down the hill into the neighborhood and there was a four-year-old girl in a princess nightgown, tears streaking down her face. He popped the car into park and hopped out. The little girl ran up to him and between cries pleaded, please help me get home. I woke up and my grandma wasn't there. I got scared and no one is helping me when I knock. Jay scooped her up and got her in his truck because it's 3 a.m. in the middle of November and this little baby is wearing a threadbare tank top nightgown and is freezing. He lets the dispatcher know everything he's doing before he does it because like I said, he wanted to make sure she was safe. He pulled up the YouTube Kids app on his phone and handed it to this waif of a child while they waited on the police. She told them that she had had a nightmare and woke up to get her grandma and couldn't find her. Before you start to get worried for the grandma and what happened to her, don't. She's a dick. So the little girl went outside to ask her neighbors for help, but got lost because it was 3 o'clock in the fucking morning and darker than the Mariana Trench outside. When the cops show up, it takes them like 45 minutes to figure out that this little girl is Sarah, whose grandmother was recently given custody of her when her mom was sent to prison for drug possession and distribution, and that she had wandered about three houses away. Jay picked her up and walked with the officers to Sarah's house to take her home. Jay was told by the officers that apparently, when Sarah's grandma had put her to bed, she went back to her own room and locked the door and took some Benadryl to get some sleep, because, and I quote, that brat kept getting up every night needing something. See, I told you, she's a dick. The officers told him that they would take it from here and that he was good to just go home. Before he left, he said Sarah's grandma came up to him and apologized, and he just stared at her blankly. He told me he wanted to scream, what the fuck do you mean, I'm sorry? Sarah could have died from exposure. She could have gotten hit by a car. She could have been picked up by anyone else and taken away into something awful, and you wouldn't have noticed because you care more about yourself than a four-year-old baby. But it was 4.30 a.m., and he was still having a hard time processing things and just said, don't apologize to me. It's Sarah who you hurt. In short, I am so fucking glad that it was my husband who saw a hand coming from the fog because I probably wouldn't have turned around and somebody else might have stolen that baby. 
Thankfully, it was my incredible golden-hearted golden retriever of a husband who's always offering to help any and everyone, no questions asked. Who bizarrely married my jaded ass? I'm convinced that being nice is for dead people. Thanks so much for everything y'all do. I had to take a break from listening for a minute because my Grammy, who was the matriarch of our family, died unexpectedly a few weeks before Christmas, her favorite time of year, and the very next week, my dad was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer and, after a brutal one-year battle, passed away. My life was filled with enough of its own darkness during that time that I couldn't listen to any true crime. But I'm back now and y'all have made my 2023 suck a whole lot less. Seriously, the way you both have spoken about whatever the next life might hold gives me hope that my dad and Grammy are still able to watch over me and that I can make them proud. Each of you inspire me to become more confident in who I am and let my inner weirdo out. Much love. Keep it creepy. This is the only time I've ever heard of someone seeing a child's hand reaching from the fog and it turns out it was a child that desperately needed help. And thank goodness that you, Jay, were there on that road to help her. That's, man, you got to put those locks on those doors. Also, you got to be a responsible uh, caregiver, not just decide I'm going to lock myself in my bedroom and peace out on some Benadryl. Yeah, you can't lock the door because kids, especially getting that age, they start to get crafty. Like she said, well, if this, then that. Like, oh, if I can't get a hold of grandma, maybe I can get a neighbor. Mm -hmm. But they don't think they're too, they're kids. They can't think far enough to go, it's super cold. I have no shoes. I have no clothes on. It's just, oh, I know what to do if I can't find a grown up, find a different one. At, At the end of the day, thank God it was Jay. Yeah, for sure. I hope that grandma learned a lesson. And I'm very glad it turned out the way it did. Poor, poor sweet little girl. I mean, Ella's five. I can't imagine Ella just walking around the neighborhood at 4 a.m. in a nightgown, and freezing. Ter- That's oh, it's so ter- sad. And scary for her. And like all the things that Jay listed in his mind before he just said, don't apologize to me. It's her you hurt is all the thing worse that goes yeah. through, of course, all of our minds because we read the news and read into cases and stuff like that. It's. All that aside, she, thank God she's safe. And hopefully police, there's a social worker, and at least mm. grandma's given some type of parenting classes or oversight. Yeah. She sounds like she's having, the little girl's having a rough one with her mom's in prison and her grandma doesn't seem to have her shit together. Not at all. Well, thank you, Morgan, for sending that one in. This next one is from Susie, and the subject line is Creepy Rhododendron Airbnb. Hi, thanks for all you do. It was a treat to see you in Portland. Your show initiated getting back in touch with a dear friend and we went together. Thank you. So, you mentioned you spent your company wellness retreat in a baller Airbnb in Rhododendron. I spent Christmas with a few friends in a baller Airbnb, also in Rhododendron. I'm glad to hear your stay was peaceful and uneventful and included a banging charcuterie board because we had a pretty creepy experience the first night of our stay, despite the presence of our own charcuterie board to ward off any evil. I was asleep in a room on the first floor with my husband. We always sleep with the window cracked, no matter how cold it is, because I need moving air and for it to be a little cold in order to sleep well. I snapped awake at about 5 a.m. to a robotic voice saying something I couldn't understand, and then, system armed. I couldn't tell where it was coming from. I lay there in the silence for a minute, and it spoke again. 
unintelligible robot words, system armed. I figured it was an alarm system, but was something setting it off? It wasn't beeping or wailing, just talking. I woke my husband up and we crept around the downstairs, trying to find the screen on the alarm system, keeping the lights off so we could also see outside. We had our dogs with us, yay pet-friendly vacation rentals, and they weren't freaking out, just curious while we were up. We couldn't see anything odd outside, the doors were locked, and the interface of the ancient alarm system seemed completely off or shut down. Pushing buttons on it did nothing. We looked everywhere for ring-style cameras. Nothing. Then, it starts chirping. Think a smoke alarm losing a battery, chirping every two minutes. But what was talking? Do dying smoke alarms say, system armed? I can't sleep with loud chirps every two minutes, and I was about to tear the house down to find it. I didn't want to wake everyone else in the house up. Why should they have to be awake too? And I was hesitant to try and contact the property management company for the rental, because what were they going to do at 5 a.m.? After following the sound as best I could, I narrowed it to behind a padlocked door. What to do, what to do. Well, thankfully, my husband is basically MacGyver, and he ended up taking the door off its hinges. No damage to the lock, no damage to the door. Inside were shelves and shelves of creepy children's toys. In the cold light of day, it's sweet to imagine a rental well-stocked for entertaining children. In the middle of the night, in a strange place, awoken by strange, unidentified robotic voices and being lured to a locked door only to find it full of old, faded dolls, blocks, and toy trucks? Creepy as hell. But where's the chirping coming from? A possessed toy? I see no other explanation, but I must go on. We start taking the toys out and examining them. The chirping from within continues. Finally, stuffed in the very back, behind extra towels, is a smoke alarm. I rip the batteries out of it. Ah, <sighs> precious silence. We put everything back, put the door back on its hinges, and try to go back to sleep. The rest of the weekend was peaceful. Great food, beautiful river rushing by, snowy walks in the neighborhood, bliss. But what was the robotic voice? Who stuffed a dying smoke alarm in the back of a locked closet full of scary toys? I was the only one who heard the voice. My husband only heard the chirping. I know I wasn't dreaming the second time I heard it. Any ideas? Well, I would also do this. I, I have torn apart a house at 2 a.m. because there's a smoke alarm or some chirping going off. Who can sleep with that? That's a crime against humanity. Nobody can nobody can deal with that. Those chirps, too, get you like it's Ooh. like a needle in the ear. Well, and also because you're anticipating it coming, even during the silence, so you're like, I can't relax even when it's not happening. Because you know, you're like, mm -hmm. there it was. And even, and even if you expect it, then it hesitates a second, and then it gets you again because mm -hmm. it went, ugh. It's the worst. Bless your husband for getting up and and doing going on this journey with you and very smart just taking the doors off the hinges right it made me think of that movie ever after when she's locked in and leonardo vinci does that to get uh drew barrymore out she's like wanted to go to the ball and angela oh. angelica houston locks her in and he like took the door off the hinges and i saw that as a kid and i remember thinking oh i'm gonna remember this, <laughs> this good tip. but it helps if you're trapped in somewhere or if you're trying to get what the fuck is that sound True. what do you think the robot voice was 
I think that it sounds like an alarm of of some type. The smoke alarm was probably stuffed in there as maybe an extra smoke alarm, and they just forgot to turn it off. And when those fucking things and their batteries go, it, you have no option, which I guess is the whole point, but to address it because, you know, <laughs> their whole job is to keep you safe. So the the voice, it's weird that no one else heard it, but I would liken it to an alarm system maybe being triggered by the sound of the chirps or just completely un- unrelated. That's true. Maybe like a neighboring alarm system that's loud, but the yeah, if the old timey alarm system in the house was, I don't know, somehow connected, but it sounds like it was a separate one or the uh, old house is just whispering to you the sounds of yesteryear. Like it's what it used to sound like back in the day and you were crossing timelines mm, or something. I always... Uh, get freaked out in an airbnb with a locked door in the one we stayed at there was also a locked door in our bedroom that's right i don't think you ever saw it but i was like what's back there and it's probably just the homeowner's stuff that they don't you know when they're there they bring out they don't want you going through it but also what else we don't know i'm like oh it's cleaning supplies i hope and not the (laughs) you know, central system for all the cameras that are yeah. hidden in every lamp and mm-hmm. every that's just watching my face. My my fear anytime I enter an Airbnb. Yeah, that they're all just watching you. It's never happened as far as I know, but it could. I'll reiterate as far as I know. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Same. So yeah, I don't like staying in a with the with the locked door. It's uh but that's part of the Airbnb lifestyle, you know? It is. I went, we the one we stayed at in Maine. I was uh, surprised that it was just their stuff was just kind of there. Like it was just oh, around. Really? Like, they're like, we stay here sometimes, and you can stay here sometimes, but just use whatever you want. Yeah, that's like, okay. my my drawer of all my uh, pajama pants are in there. If you find that you need a pair, and this is our shampoo, use it or bring your own. I do want I want some separation though. I like to think that I'm here and I'm the only one that's here. Not yeah. that. Oh, I've stumbled upon someone's home when they just happen to be out. <laughs> yeah, you're not trying to, you're, what is it, Goldilocks Goldilocks it. it, yeah. Well, thank you, Susie, for sending that in. Uh, as far as what the robot voice is, we will take suggestions. If y'all think you know, mm. if it's happened to you at an Airbnb, or if you've ever found something fucked up behind an Airbnb locked door, <sighs> definitely. Write definitely that send that in. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this last one is from Jess, and the subject line is, Good Samaritan fail. Hey there, y'all are awesome and I appreciate your particular take on true crime. And your banter is hilarious. Anyhow, here goes. One cold winter Sunday, I had plans to meet up with a friend in Manhattan. She was coming from Connecticut and I was coming from New Jersey. I lived only about 20 minutes from the Pennsylvania border, so I would usually drive to any number of the train stations if I was heading into the city. On this particular day, since I knew I'd be getting home after dark, I chose the station in the town I felt safest, Summit. I had a great day in New York with my friend and headed back to Penn Station for the trip home. When I arrived in Summit, it was dark. I'd parked a few blocks away from the station, which wasn't a big deal because it was still near enough to the little town area, and even though it was dark, it was still early in the evening and there were people around. However, I was in a parking garage, and that made me nervous. As I headed into the garage, I noticed there weren't many cars around. I was up a few levels, though, so I had to make my way up. As I kept going, 
I noticed a man sitting along one of the sidewalls. He didn't seem to be near any cars, so I called my husband just to keep him apprised of my progress and so I didn't have to actually interact with another human. As I walked past him, the man called out to me, Hey, can you call 911? I said, Uh, what? And he was like, Yeah, can you call 911? My foot is killing me. I kept walking and got in my car. I hung up with my husband because this man asked me to call 911, and though he seemed totally fine, I was young, and what the hell did I know about his pain? So, I called 911. I was relaying a story to the operator as I left the parking garage, giving the man a big thumbs up as I drove by. As I exited the garage, I could hear sirens getting closer. Man, they acted fast. As my husband and I were getting ready for bed that night, we were still discussing this super weird situation because I still felt so unsettled by it. I said I hoped he was okay and that I thought he really had seemed fine. Then, it hit me. I called 911 on a guy who was telling me a joke about how his foot was killing him. Major facepalm. But my husband and I got a great laugh out of it, and to this day, my whole family teases me about their feet killing them. I hope you enjoyed this. I still facepalm when I think of how dumb I was and how I didn't get it. But I also did not understand the warning sign next to the elevators for the longest time. Like, don't be such a lazy ass because there could be a fire and you'd be better off having taken the stairs. As opposed to the real meaning, if there's a fire, don't take the elevator. Again, face palm. May I just say, when I read this, I didn't get the joke <laughs> until she said it was a joke. And then I went, oh, okay, that's really funny. Which is why I thought it was fun to include. <laughs> Here's the thing, Jess. Facepalm all you want. I would have acted 100% in the same way. Oh, I, yeah. I don't think it would have it would have registered with me as somebody walking by myself in a parking garage and a strange man say, hey, can you call 911? My foot's killing me. I would uh, not have been like, oh, ha, 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 ha. That's funny. Okay, there it is. It all you came just together. now got it. There it was. I <laughs> See, was gonna say it's, it's a good joke because it really it took me a minute too, and then I was like, "That's actually a funny bit." To a friend, to certainly. a friend, not but a, to a, not a woman by herself in a parking garage. He deserved the police call on him only because that is such a literal thing to say. And what do we just see in a previous story? There's a kid wandering around at three o'clock in the morning. Sometimes you do need the authorities. Yeah. Yeah. No, I probably would have also done the same. I want if this guy is listening, we got to have his version where he's like, I was just sitting there minding my own business. Saw a girl walking by. thought, ha ha, this is a funny joke. Next thing I know, the cops show up. It's like (laughs) and then you got to explain to them why 911 was called. So I'm going to repeat this because until you said it out loud, it didn't register. So the idea is that if your foot, which means your foot, this is the best thing to do with a joke, by the way. It's just to break it it. down till nobody thinks it's funny. Yeah, Like a frog. Just pull all the pieces out. (laughs) So your foot hurts you and you'd be like, my foot's killing me. But then if a person's killing someone else, you would want to call 911. So you say, you better call 911 because my foot's killing me. My foot is killing me. It's a dad joke. It's a joke that you would see in a joke book from the 1950s. Yeah. You got to. Nope. There's a time and a place. And this one knit. <laughs> this is knit, man. This one knit, sir. This you did knit. this to yourself. Yeah. I think you got to read the room. While I do appreciate a good bit, and I'm glad that that's all this was, yeah, read the room. Know your audience. I can't believe you would say that to a stranger in a parking garage alone at night 
and don't follow it up with, I'm just kidding. <laughs> by the way, don't call. Especially when they drive by on the phone and they're like, like thumbs up, like it's happening. <laughs> then you're like, but I got to get out of here before the cops show up. But I have to explain, I was just trying to be funny. It <laughs> fell flat. And now while you're here, can I workshop this joke with you? <laughs> The police are like, we got a call that your foot is a danger, sir. Put your hands up, please. Don't move foot. Is it the left one or the right one? I got guns on them just in case. You know what? They got to secure the perimeter. You got to handcuff the big toe to the pinky. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Jess, don't feel bad because I fell for that completely. I did, too. I, it's, I, and then I, I thought, man, if three of us fall for it, then you're not. You don't facepalm. I think that's it's a funny joke. He didn't deliver it in a way that was obvious he was kidding. In a, in a place that it would be appropriate to have right. joked without just going, I'm just kidding. I don't want to freak you out. I was joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's not like, can anyone take a joke? I can if I understand it. And I didn't understand that one. <laughs> also, I thought with the whole stair thing is that you should take the stairs because you don't want the elevator to stop due to the fire and you get down there faster. That is, yeah, you shouldn't take stairs, or you shouldn't take an elevator during a fire because you could get trapped and be burned alive. Listen, have I done it And during a fire alarm? Certainly. <laughs> we were in, where were we? And the fire alarm was going off. Oh, was that in Columbus, Ohio? I believe it was in Columbus. The one on where the- it went off in the morning and I said, I'm not leaving. If there's a fire, come get me. Yeah, it was the worst response to a fire drill because or a fire alarm because you clo- you said, let me know what happens. Closed the door and went back to sleep. <laughs> I went and got in the elevator and went Leanne down. Leanne was, was there like, too. <laughs> and yeah. And I said, what's going on? And Leanne's downstairs already. She's smart. And when she says fire, she goes outside. I was like, surely there's not really a fire and it's way too early and we don't have to get up early. So I'm going back to bed. Somebody had burned the biscuits, it turned out. So mm-hmm. it was okay in the end. Well... Thank you, Jess. And like I said, facepalm all you want, but I'm doing it right along with you because I (laughs) fell for it as well. Yeah. Well, these were some fun ones and some not so fun ones. But as always, they were all intriguing and interesting. So thank you so much for everyone that sent in your Freaky Friday stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. Plus, patrons in our Getting Into It tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment each month that they would like to see live-streamed. This month's bonus content is going to be Friday, March 31st at 2 p.m. Central to accommodate our lovely international listeners. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. This month's Wednesday, March 29th at 8 p.m. Central Time. 
For our patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this, specific member tiers, information on our tour, tickets, venue times, upcoming cities, visit SinisterHood.com. You can click Patreon on the top banner and also click Live Shows for all tour information. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. And if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, including our new logo tee, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlist from Spotify by visiting SinisterHood.com slash playlist with an S. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterHoodPod and like us on Facebook at SinisterHood. We're also on TikTok and YouTube at Sinisterhood Podcast. Head to YouTube and subscribe. You can also listen on YouTube and we have our YouTube page getting all zhuzhed up. So go and check that out. Also, we're on Cameo. And today, if you're listening on Friday, March 24th, is Cameo Fan Friday. That means just today only, you get 25% off a of Cameo, but you have to be one of the first 15 fans to book it. So 25% off our Cameos at Cameo.com slash Sinisterhood. And it, it can be a Cameo if you need it in the future, but you've just, you're like, I'll book it later. If you book it now, you can book it between 10 a.m. Central Time and 11.59 p.m. Central Time. The first 15 people to sign up will get 25% off. And we can say any video message you like, happy birthday, I love you, happy anniversary, uh, I don't want to live here anymore. <laughs> Anything like that at cameo.com slash Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at on that? That's a good race. What's a good race? 15 p. I like a good race. A good, like, I got to get in. I got to be the first. I like a good, like, immediate call to action. I feel like I'm doing something. First 15, and then the app does it itself. It cuts it off. So you've got to be in there. Well, as far as where I can be found on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world, on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister. Hood.